Welcome to the fifth episode of the Think Wildlife podcast. We will be talking about the plight of India's captive elephants with a very special guest, Kartik Satyanarayan, who is the founder of Wildlife SOS. Thank you for having me on this podcast, and I'm uh, delighted to use this opportunity to speak about uh, me and Wildlife SOS um, on this podcast with you. Wildlife SOS is best known for its work with captive elephants. My first question is that despite the cultural significance of elephants in India, why are captive elephants treated so badly? Well, Anish, um, thank you for bringing that up. You know, Wildlife SOS has been working since 1995 to protect India's wildlife and uh, focus on conservation issues. Uh, you know, we've been working with bears, leopards, tigers, elephants, etc. But elephants are a fairly important species in India. And as you say correctly, they do have a very important, significant um, cultural reverence, religious reverence, as well as, um, you know, they are very important species. I mean, there are only two species uh, of of elephants, the Asian elephant and the African elephant. And India hosts 50% of the world's Asian elephant population presently. You know, we do wonder why, despite elephants um, being so important in the Indian context, why some of the captive elephants are treated the way they are? Well, it's really important for us to remember that captive elephants were not always captive elephants. They were not so long ago wild elephants. Almost every single captive elephant that you see was once a wild elephant. And they've most often been taken away from the wild habitats, from their wild herds, their families. They've been torn away from the forests and the loving embrace of their herds and tortured, brutalized, trained using fairly abusive uh, techniques combined with pain and fear. And that is how they are trained to become captive elephants. No wild animal will let you ride on its back, you know, or, or perform a circus act or walk in a procession. It is only a wild animal that is enslaved, beaten, broken, and brutalized that would do that. So I think the first thing is that, unfortunately, you know, India has a very old historic significance of using elephants. And while in the past, you know, there was a sense of bonding between the mahout or the elephant keeper and the elephant itself, that bond, unfortunately, with the growth of time, uh, the passing of, um, you know, the eras, the past eras are gone. The current people are who, who manage elephants, unfortunately, are very financially driven. All they're looking for is to profiteer from the exploitation of these animals. And that is why some of these captive elephants are treated the way they are, because they, the people who run them, who use them, who exploit them, want to make money. They want to make a quick buck. And that is only possible if you, uh, you know, starve the elephants or you ignore their welfare and um, you exploit them to, to make money.
And that is the situation that we are in at the moment, which is why uh, one of the important areas of focus for Wildlife SOS is to draw attention to the plight of India's elephants and to try and make a long-term sustainable change in the way these elephants are cared for and treated. And a lot of it also comes from ignorance. You know, Anish, a lot of people in India do not know much about elephants. All they know is that, oh, these are giant creatures. We love elephants. You know, they represent the elephant god, Ganesh. So we, you know, they're revered, they're prayed to, they're important. People are emotional about them. But a lot of things that people don't know about elephants are that they are all wild animals. Number two, they have the largest brains of any mammal. I mean, any land mammal, they are the, the world's largest land mammals. So you can imagine the amount of emotions, intelligence that that brain can pack in. And they, they never forget. You know, there's a famous saying, elephants never forget. So they are incredibly intelligent creatures. And we sometimes, uh, people don't realize that they feel, they feel emotions just like us. They feel pain, trauma, fear, uh, and they don't, they, they feel um, the, tr the, the brutalization when they are chained and tortured so they can be um, intimidated and used by human beings for achieving their ends. And so this is, uh, this is something that people need to become more aware of. And also it's important for people to be more aware of what a true elephant's habitat is in the forest. And these animals have soft footpaths. They are creatures of the deep forest. And um, they are not animals that can be used in cities on concrete and tar roads and things like that. That is what people need to understand. And once people start understanding and recognizing what a traumatic elephant looks like, what a stressed elephant looks like, I think, you know, the public voice out there is very strong. And if, if people who see these elephants realize that these elephants are not having a good time and they're having a bad deal and they raise their voice, I think things will start changing. So Wildlife Express also runs India's first elephant hospital. We created it a few years ago. We also run an elephant conservation and care center where we have rescued elephants uh, that we have been able to uh, bring out from a position of distress. And they are now under rehabilitation at our elephant conservation and care center and hospital. Yeah, so my next question is, uh, how many elephants do you have at the center? We have uh, nearly 37 elephants at the moment housed uh, under the care of Wildlife SOS. And uh, each of these animals have, have an incredible story, a very emotional, touching story that caused them to be distressed. Um, they were either from circuses or abused on the streets as begging elephants, used in processions, uh, weddings, uh, for, um, you know, in, in temples, etc. And uh, in some cases, they were in illegal captivity. And the forest department, which is the, which is an enforcement agency along with the police, uh, had to take criminal action against the owners for keeping these animals um, under illegal captivity when they were confiscated by the forest department and handed over to Wildlife SOS for care and rehabilitation. 
So what are the, what are some of the challenges you have faced while uh, rescuing and rehabilitating these elephants? We've uh, faced a lot of challenges. I think every single day we have a multitude of challenges in managing and caring for the elephants that are with us. And also every single rescue that we undertake is quite an uphill task. Um, in fact, you know, I can, I can recall, a, a, you know, a, a couple of rescue operations, but, you know, I mean, it can take forever ever because I, I have so many stories about these rescue operations and we'll have to do like a series of, of podcasts about it. But I can tell you just what comes to mind very quickly. You know, there was this uh, elephant that was being, her name is Chanchal, and she was being smuggled from one, one state to another under the cover of darkness, along with her companion. And as they were being transported illegally, the owner was walking them across the state borders under the cover of darkness in the middle of the night. This was a December night. It was foggy. It was dark. So you can imagine when you have a dark, fog, foggy night and you know you can barely see anything and you try to walk them on the side of a freeway, I mean, you which a truck is going to be able to spot two gray shadows in the middle of a foggy road. So obviously, you know, there was no way anybody could see these elephants. So a truck came pell-mell down that freeway and smashed into both these elephants. And now um, one was dead, died on the spot, which was pathetic, really sad. Another one was severely injured. This was Chanchal. She was barely um, 18 years old uh, when we got this news. So our team, the team from Wildlife was reached there. This was almost three in the morning. By the time we got the news, we immediately went there, looked at this elephant, got a police crane to lift her up and checked her if she was okay. Our veterinary team was there along with her to give her support. And we were, it was quite a traumatic situation because her entire side, the skin had sloughed off because she had not only been hit on the, hit by the truck, and then she was dragged on the road. So you can imagine what that would do. I mean, if you were, if you were down on the street and then dragged several hundred meters, you know, on that uh, rough tarmac. So she was in, in really bad shape. We weren't even sure if she survive. At that point of time, we had to contact the forest department, the police, and we got all the paperwork ready to rescue her, move her from there to the elephant center of Wildlife SOS. But just at that point of time, the people who controlled that elephant, who were trying to smuggle her across, realized that once that move happened, they would never be able to claim her back. And because of that, they then brought about 40, 30, 40 people together and they blocked us. And they wouldn't let us take this elephant away from there to safety. And they were creating a lot of problems, one after another, blocking us, throwing obstacles, distracting the elephant, frightening the elephant. So we had to, you know, work all night to get the police there, get multiple uh, teams, police teams to come and help us get the forest department there to come and help us. And then with great difficulty, we um, had to stave off 
that hostile gang who was trying to stop us from moving this elephant and then get Chanchal loaded up onto the elephant truck. And then we had to escort her out of there because these guys were, the hostile teams were, I mean, they're all part of the cartel and we have to constantly deal with the cartel while dealing with, uh, with elephants. And they didn't want us to move the elephant out of there. So they were constantly following us. And we had four police teams escort us out of there to safety. So some of these operations can be really challenging, extremely risky, both for our staff and for our um, for the elephants that we're trying to rescue. And, uh, you know, until we got back to our facility, the Elephant Conservation and Care Facility in Mathura, which is about three hours from Delhi, uh, we couldn't really breathe easy, you know, and we finally sigh, heaved a sigh of relief and we reached there and we were able to get her off the truck. But it took, uh, it took several years for that elephant to kind of deal with that trauma that she'd been through. And she's, you know, on her road to recovery, of course. But every single elephant rescue um, is more challenging than the previous one. That is a truly shocking story. Um, however, one particular elephant I want to talk about is Pari. That's because one of Think Wildlife Foundation's flagship uh, projects is the Caring for Pari campaign, where 25% of our merchandise sale profits are being donated for uh, Pari's rehabilitation. It's an opportunity to thank you. And thank Think Wildlife Foundation for supporting the care uh, and treatment of Pari. And I think that's such a generous and a kind gesture from all of you. And uh, Pari has been such an inspiring elephant because when we found out about Pari, she was in such a bad state, we didn't think she'd actually survive at all. She was a begging elephant. She was used for weddings. She was in such a bad state. I mean, I would call her, I would define her health condition as a very, she's a very badly crippled elephant. You know, her front legs were severely deviated. She has been a victim of terrible, terrible abuse. And because of the amount of chaining and forcing her to stand in her own dung and her own urine on top of concrete floors, she's developed a very bad um, situation with her feet. Her feet are basically completely deviated. She's developed de degenerative bone disorder. And she also has, um, you know, severe abrasion uh, and rot, foot rot set into the foot pads and her toenails. In fact, it became so bad. I mean, when we, when we found her, it was in such a bad state that some of her toenails were just coming off. Imagine your nails peeling off from your hand, your fingers. You know, that's how bad her situation was. And she's such a young elephant. You know, she's only about 20 years old. Uh, and, um, you know, she's, she's got severe, severe trauma issues because she stereotypes a lot, head bobbing and swaying and things like that. And uh, she, I mean, she's like a walking encyclopedia of everything that can go wrong with an elephant. She has been abused so much. She has been subjected to so much of trauma and so much of uh, torture that, you know, if he had not rescued her and brought her to the Wildlife SOS Elephant Hospital, I don't think she would be alive um, as we speak today. But, you know, moving on to happier things, Pari showed us what forgiveness is like. I mean, if anybody else was in Pari's situation, I think a human being would be so terrified 
that you know we just become a hostile creature but she's so forgiving she allows us to treat her she allows us uh, the team at wildlife as well as the elephant care staff and the wildlife veterinarians to provide care to treat her legs we've even had a chance to pull debris and metal pieces out of her legs so that's how badly uh, she was um, you know cared for and of course she was starved she was kept on a starvation diet so when she came to us the first thing we did was offer her bananas and she showed us what a banana loving monster can be she turned into this amazing animal who just fell in love with bananas she loves them and uh, we use bananas to motivate her for her treatments and to move her around and she fell in love with one grassy spot outside the elephant hospital where she loves to hang around whenever she's at the hospital visiting the vets and getting treatments um so i think you know pari has been such an inspiration for us that we should never give up on an elephant in distress however bad their situation could be they can still recover and heal if they're given time expert um veterinary care love and affection that is certainly a very touching story indeed so my next question for you is that there are 37 rescued elephants at wildlife sos elephant rescue center so do you have any plans on rewilding these elephants and what are some challenges with reintroducing elephants into the wild um so anish the issue with um captive elephants that we rescued i mean these are broken abused tortured elephants i mean, you just heard about you know the stories of padi and chanchal and what kind of situation they were in before they came to us so these animals have been taken away from the wild at a very young age you know they're probably a calf you know maybe 6 months to 18 months age or something like that when they're torn away from their mothers and to ensure that a, an elephant can survive in the wild that animal needs to know how to manage in the forests of india it needs to know the seasonal water holes it needs to be accepted into a herd uh, the elephant needs to understand what are poisonous vegetables fruits and fodder and what is available in which season in which place plus it needs to know um, all the corridors that elephants use to move from one place to another migratory corridors so basically there's a lot of knowledge that is handed down from the mother to the calf and from the aunts and the entire herd to the calf and the calf learns in the first 4 to 5 years how to keep pace with the herd and how to manage um life in the wild and sadly when elephants are taken away from the wild and turned into captive elephants that knowledge is lost because we cannot now play a role of mother elephant and and teach that knowledge and and imbibe that knowledge into the into that elephant so sadly you know much as we hate to accept it it is going to be quite impossible to revive elephants that have been abused to a state of you know brokenness and in this pathetic situation that we receive these animals in 
it's it's um, it would be unrealistic for us to expect these animals to be able to survive in the wild on their own because they need constant medical care they need veterinary support they need treatment they need to be cared for probably their entire lifetime if they need to survive so putting such animals in the wild might be you know um, might be a death knell for them so rewilding is possible when we have an elephant that's completely healthy has an op- has still age on its side is a very young elephant you know maybe less than 3 or 4 years old can still be reunited with a herd uh, and and it's something that we have to experiment with and captive elephants have learned to expect food to be provided to them by humans and wild elephants don't expect that wild elephants go around finding their own food so to put a captive elephant out in the wild and rewild it would mean to change that entire expectation and that would be i think you know fairly ambitious if you try to do that with elephants that are presently in our care but that said if we have an opportunity in the future where we can reunite uh, an elephant calf back with its herd or get um, a young elephant back in the wild we will certainly not miss that opportunity we would put a gps collar on that elephant and put the elephant back out there and try to help her stay in the wild because captivity is not a good deal for these elephants but sadly at this situation at this present moment in time we do not have any elephants that would fit that bill that is certainly a very unfortunate situation and that also leads me to my next question so india has about 3000 uh, to 4000 captive elephants so while all of them cannot be rescued and rewilded for sure um, what is the way forward in uh, creating a better life for these gentle giants yes there are over 3000 elephants in captivity it is a large number of elephants and we cannot possibly rescue every single elephant so what wildlife sos is doing is we are working on trying to change mindsets of people that's a very big challenge and you know i think institutions like yours think wildlife foundation can play a major role in helping us get this knowledge out to people and if people become less ignorant and are empowered with the knowledge of what happens to captive elephants then i think we can reduce the demand for the use of captive elephants and the abuse of these elephants can also be reduced wildlife sos is also running workshops training courses for mahouts elephant care staff elephant managers and veterinarians to try and get a higher level of uh, mahout care humane um, methods of management for these elephants out there so that people who are looking after the elephants can be trained to provide a better degree of care a higher level of care for the animals that they are responsible for and of course the wildlife sos elephant hospital and the wildlife sos elephant conservation care center uh, functions as a living breathing model of what can be done to provide care to elephants um, that are in captivity so we 
invite um, elephant managers, elephant mahouts, um, elephant veterinarians, and anybody who's associated with caring for elephants in captivity, including several state forest departments, to come and collaborate with us and work with us and train with us and attend some of our training workshops to take this knowledge, which we are constantly trying to disseminate so they can make a difference to the thousands of captive elephants that are in India right at their locations so they can have a better life of dignity and honor. So in the Wildlife Amendment Act of 2022, there was quite a lot of discussion regarding elephant ownership laws. What are your opinion about these changes to elephant ownership? So there was um, a move to address um, the Wildlife Protection Act of 1972 and bring about some amendments. But I think several organizations across India, including Wildlife SOS, sent in their comments uh, requesting the government to review this and reconsider this amendment. And I think the, the latest update is that the government is reconsidering this and the amendment hasn't come into effect yet. It's still under re reconsideration. And, there, and we are hopeful that um, the government of India will place uh, substantial checks and balances to ensure that the amendments that are made are in the interest of enforcement of the law and do not allow for any loopholes for illegal traffickers or illegal movement of elephants. And if um, not, they will reconsider the entire amendment as a whole. So uh, at the moment, we are hopeful and we think that you know things will only um, possibly get better. We can now only hope for the best. Moving back to Wildlife SOS, so other than captive elephants, you guys are also known for your work with dancing bears. But beyond that, what are some projects being run by Wildlife SOS? So Wildlife SOS, of course, started off in 1995 working with this huge problem across India of bears, endangered sloth bears that were used for performances on the streets. And these poor animals were called, referred to as dancing bears because they had a rope going through their delicate muzzle. And um, that rope went through a hole that was pierced using a red hot iron poker. And this was done when the when the bear was a baby, it was a cub that was stolen from the wild. The mothers were killed. The cubs were stolen and trafficked illegally. Again, bears and elephants both received the same level of protection under Indian law as a tiger does. But despite that, this problem was there and it had been going on for 400 years. So Wildlife Historist was able to work successfully in collaboration with the government as well as local communities uh, and using a very sustainable model by which we empowered women. We sent children to school that belonged to the community of Kalandars so that they did not have to continue to exploit bears for their livelihood. And we gave alternative livelihood options and rehabilitated 3,000 families so they didn't have to depend on 
exploiting bears to support themselves and for earning a, a, a livelihood. So that brought about a sustainable change and we've been able to put this entire practice to bed. And hopefully we will never have dancing bears again in this country, in India. In addition to that, we also, Wildlife SOS also runs five hotlines in several parts of India, Delhi and CR, in Gujarat, in Agra and Mathura, as well as in uh, Baroda and Gujarat, and in Jammu and Kashmir. And these uh, facilities are basically a hotline that collaborates with the police, the forest department, and the municipal authorities. So people, uh, you know, members of the public, when they see a snake or an animal in distress or um, or a conflict situation, they can contact Wildlife SOS and have us send someone to help them rescue that animal, create awareness, and put that animal back in the wild. In addition to that, we do a lot of biodiversity protection and conservation as well. We've had reforestation projects where we, we planted thousands and thousands of trees of native species to bring areas back and regenerate forests in areas that have been bare. We've uh, protected corridors where wildlife corridors are becoming, you know, rarer and rarer each day. And we are working on protecting that. In addition to that, we run rescue centers for tigers, leopards, uh, as well as any animal that is in distress. Unfortunately, I think I could safely say that, you know, we, we do have a disease of not knowing how to say no to an animal in distress. So we just say yes if there is a problem, whether it's a crocodile, a snake, an elephant, a tiger, a leopard, a hyena, a pangolin, whatever it is that needs assistance, we are always there to step in and help protect those animals, create awareness, and put these animals back in the wild. Uh, we also uh, have a very... Um, empowering website, which is called www.refusetoride.org. And we use this website to empower responsible tourists who visit India, who must read this if they can, before they come. It will teach them uh, and give them a lot of information about what goes on with captive elephants and why they must think twice before getting on top of an elephant and going for a ride. And uh, it's, it's a very irres irresponsible thing to do to get on top of an elephant because that is how the chain of abuse, torture, and trauma for these animals start. So um, these are some of the things that, that we do with Wildlife SOS. But at the moment, one big thing that we are working on is expansion of the Elephant Hospital campus. And we hope... It's very ambitious. We hope it's hope to have it at 110 acres with thousands and thousands of trees and capability to house up to 70 rescued elephants. That's what we're working on. And we are trying to raise financial support to uh, procure the land, install the fencing and the perimeter walls, put in the elephant enclosures, the ponds and the barns for these animals and uh, build another hospital, as well as the staff areas for our mahouts to stay close to the elephants and monitor them. So that's, that's uh, what we are really working on. And 
I'd welcome everybody who's listening to this podcast to please um, check out wildlifefestivals.org if they have a chance and uh, partner with both Think Wildlife Foundation and Wildlife SOS to be a part of this legacy to protect elephants and other wildlife in India and uh, keep them preserved and safe for the future. So my final question for you is that how can the general public support Wildlife SOS and the great work you guys are doing? The general public can help Wildlife SOS by firstly, I think, just joining us, subscribing to our newsletter. They can just go to www.wildlifefestivals.org and subscribe to our newsletter so they get updates. And they can also empower themselves by going to www.refusetoride.org and just contributing to the support and the medical care of our animals. They can go to our website and see how they can donate. They can donate in kind by contributing equipment like ambulances, cranes, bulldozers, tractors that we need for caring for these animals. They could use a company's corporate social responsibility mechanism to help us and also come and volunteer with us. They can do hands-on work. We have a volunteering program where they can come on and all they have to do is email us at volunteer at wildlifefestivals.org to find out more about this. But they could choose an animal or a bunch of animals that they could sponsor, feed, and medical treatment for. And that is one way of directly getting involved with the care of the animals that we can make a difference to on a daily basis. But of course, more important than anything else, I would love for people to be a part of this movement uh, and be, come and visit us, come and see what we are doing so they can, they can understand that nothing is impossible. If we put our minds to it, we can make a huge difference to these animals. They're voiceless and they need our voices. So that is a very positive way to end it. So thank you so much for your time and we really, we really hope that uh, the elephants and bears at Wildlife SOS uh, can continue to recover. Thank you, Anish. It was lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.